Thanks for tuning in to Shield Clocks Happens, where now you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Amazon. So tune in, sit back, and enjoy. All right, this is the Shilcox Happens podcast. My name is Dustin Shilcox. With me always, Jameson Brown. Hey, everybody. Uh, kind of excited for this one. I get to hear the love story, so to speak, between Dustin and Sydney Shilcox. This is going to be a lot of fun. But uh, right now, I kind of want to introduce Sydney Shilcox. Uh, tell everybody what you do, what you are, and how you ran to this crazy guy. and Why you're on the show. Yeah. Well... I was forced to be on it. Don't really want to be here. <laughs> no, I'm Sydney Shellcox. I work in the auto industry and uh, sells and do a lot of digital advertising. And how I met Dustin is actually online. You know, the typical love story nowadays. It's a swipe right love story, right? Yeah. That's what um, it was, man. It is. That's how, yeah, that's, that's, that's always a good time. The yeah. swipe right. It actually works. That's the thing. It's, it's that's a good thing. It works, but you're always scared to like admit it a little bit, you know, where you're just like, oh. Well, because they have such a bad review when people yeah. think about, especially our site was Tinder, and that's like the hookup app. But we basically started, you know, we obviously both swiped right, and it was kind of like just talking a little bit. But then it's like after you get that feeling that this person's not crazy or slutty or whatever else, you know, it's someone you want to get to know. Realistically, when people talk about it, I mean, people give it a bad image of who this person is. And then I think that's any dating site in general. I agree. But once you actually find out who this person is, we started talking and are actually, we started FaceTiming each other before we even actually met. So how long were you guys FaceTiming for, Sid? We FaceTimed, I would say every day for close, what do you say, two weeks straight? Before we met? Yeah. Yeah, it was like almost, yeah, probably three weeks. And like she said, every day and quite a Four bit. Four hours. Like, while she was at work and then, when she would come home all night long. But it was so good for, I think, the both of us, especially because me being in a wheelchair, I was able to tell her more about my insecurities and how my life was. Instead of when I met her for the first time, I didn't have to, I mean, she already knew some of my struggles. Right. So it's like, that's a huge step to get over because people are kind of nervous of themselves or what you have to overcome. But she already knew that, and that's what was great for FaceTime. So back yeah. it up real quick. So you live where? South Jordan. Utah, right? Yeah. Okay, and, and at this time when you guys had just swiped right, where were you living? I was living in Fort Worth. Fort Texas. Worth, Texas. Okay, so you guys are literally like states apart. Well, so I was obviously in Utah when, because the way Tinder works is you have to be close to each other. Okay. And then you, we just swiped right, and I actually started talking to her up here and – then so I, your guys' story is even crazier because I didn't know that you were actually – that's like one of those like random like it just picked up your geo. Yeah. And it, and it and it popped up and next thing you know, she saw, you saw – like that's like a that's like a stars alignment type deal. I hate to get all crazy like weirdo about that. But that's like literally like things had to line up right. Yeah, yeah. no. He was driving back from Vegas with his sister and brother-in-law and drove past the dealership. See, this is fun. That's how that would have worked. This yeah. is fun. And what's even more funny, so he had invited me up there, uh-huh. but I I was probably the more timid, well, I was, I was the more timid one, and I blew him off. When we first started talking, I was here, okay. and I said, you know, come up to my sis- my sister's house in Heber, okay, okay, okay. and she said, yeah, yeah, or, and she said she would, and then I told my sister and my brother-in-law and my friends, we were playing some <laughs> dice and cards, I'm like, yeah, this girl I'm talking to, she's coming up, never showed 
<laughs> so now, just for everybody who's going to be listening to this, I've known Sydney for probably 18 years. Yeah. And so I could have probably called that one out. Because <laughs> Sid's hard to get. Like, that's just the way she's been. Well, she's it gets very better dedicated. Than that. Very dedicated. <laughs> she's just right there. Bam. So she doesn't hang out. You guys are still talking. Mm-hmm. And you guys are doing FaceTime for two weeks. And then. When did you tell her and how did you react? Like, like I mean, obviously Dustin's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and a lot of people can take that really different. You know, like, I mean, I remember as we've been talking, we've kind of learned some of these stories of people who have gone through these injuries and these life-changing occurrences and they, they all of a sudden they become, you know, either people go away or they meet new people and it's really cool. But take us through that. Like, how did, how, how did you tell her? When did you tell her and how did you react? Well, actually, when we first started talking – we were texting back and forth and stuff like that a lot. And then when I called her, I don't know which time. Was it the first time we talked? Yeah, the first time when we actually spoke on the phone, he had just landed in Fort Worth and he was driving back to his house. And he called me on his way there and he had told me, but. Yeah, she said, well, I told her I was in a wheelchair and she said that she didn't know. But on my profile picture, it was just my face, but then the other pictures was my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were there. She obviously just didn't check out all my pictures. She saw the one. She yeah. saw the one of, of Dustin. Snagged with one picture. There you go. That's all it is, man. Winner, bro. Look at you go. That's a yeah. good first impression. It was a good, it's a great picture. Actually, one of my favorites of his. You still have it? Mm-hmm. I nice. do. Nice. Well done, man. Yeah. So, you obviously start to kind of go through it more, and then how far into you guys talking did when did you finally go out and you guys meet for the first time and and where was that did you come out here no did she come out there or how this all the play out yeah like she said it was like two weeks later um she flew to texas yeah for the weekend nice and what'd you guys do we actually went to a concert at the Cowboy Stadium. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You told me about that concert. I was mad at you. I was, now I'm mad at you for that concert. So, sorry to take away from that, but like that was with uh, uh, who was open up for that? That's uh, it was Old Dominion. Old Dominion, right? Yeah. That's what got me going. And I, yeah. And who else? Who else was playing? It was Old Dominion, and it was it wasn't Miranda Chester. Lambert. Lambert. Right. Chesney was playing. Okay. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a big show at Texas Stadium. So yeah, I got a little bit jealous about that. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So you went out to that. And you yeah. guys spent the weekend together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So how was that? Like what? Well, it was really good because actually, like I said, you know, after, after talking with each, with each other for so long and, you know, I guess it was only two weeks at that point, but just getting over a lot of the barriers that I was insecure with myself, it kind of put us that much further ahead, I think, with our, like me being comfortable around her and stuff. So that's what really helped me out. And then that weekend was obviously amazing for both of us. And then it was a week and a half later, I flew back up here to hang out with her. And then... He never left. I came up with a suitcase to stay with my sister for a week. And I was going to go back and forth hanging out with her. And then I actually, I think I did end up going back home to get some more stuff. And then I was coming back up for the next, it was actually at the end of that month. Mm -hmm. So I came up here and I was going to stay for like a week. And then I ended up staying the next couple of months, and then the entire summer. And the next time I went back to Texas, it was she flew back down with me to move back up here. <laughs> so That is cool. Yeah. I didn't go back for four months. So let's, so in the span that you guys found each other, it had been 
until you guys until you permanently moved in four months six months before you moved back up here permanently so you stayed here for you know a couple of weeks then it became a month then it became the summer yeah so it was like almost five months because it was at the end of August when I actually went back down there and got my stuff and drove it back up here okay so as a girl were you excited yeah of course like stoked yeah and then there's a little sense of fear too like this guy's moving here for me like that's the only reason why he's coming to utah but okay so from the outside perspective it was crazy because she was so excited like when (laughs) when you guys started like when this all went like a whole nother level right like so excited and then the fear (laughs) well it was actually we talked about it for myself too because you know i really you know i love this girl so much and we talk about it and i'm like you know what i'm gonna you know, close my place down in Texas, which I was only down there just because I wanted a new experience and I had some friends down there. Yeah. So that's why I was down there. But for me to pack up and move back up here to Utah, it was a big step for me as well. I mean, so it was really kind of a like a commitment point for both of us saying, this is what we really want because, you know, it's not like a, it's not like moving across Salt Lake City. It's moving a few states over, which is a little crazy. Well, I got to tell you, for what you guys did, so, I mean, living, yeah, living states across, you know, you guys traveled some ground just in regards to a relationship that most people take, you know, months and years to develop. You guys did that quick. And that's because I think necessarily you had to. You don't, you're not comfortable with him moving out here in the span of a four or five month period. No. But I think that that's really cool that you guys were able to develop that type of trust and comfort that quick. That's really cool. But I yeah. think it just proves that communication is a key factor in all that. That's, I'm telling you, from the outside, man, it was really fun to watch the whole thing happening. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I used to tell, in fact, I would, I would, because I know her dad, and I'd tell him, like, I think it's one of the coolest things. I think it's so cool to see her calming down because I'm like, all right. This is awesome. Like, like it, it's because, you know, knowing that side of the family for so long, it's like watching family get, you know, serious. Yeah. So you move in. Life is starting. What did you figure out really quick? You know, what were things that you realized that you needed to kind of understand or that you guys needed to, to adapt to? Well, I think for myself, it was it was like that, you know, we've talked about so many things that, I like you were saying, most people take years to get those barriers like past those points but like with me like you have to face them like you there's no beating around the bush I basically have to tell her this is my life this is how it's going to be this is the way I have to do things because it's so much different for me and I can't hide it so to see her like accept the way that I am and if there is any struggles I have to do she does it with me or helps me with things that are just unbelievably crazy to me because I would never imagine someone would want to do this with me. It's like the true definition of a partnership at that point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know it's I mean? crazy. Like, that's you know? really cool. Like that's, that's something that most people like kind of like, it's like a notebook type scenario. It's like, I want that, like that old couple that every time the <laughs> wife forgets her name and where she's at, he's there to remind her. Well, and, and think well, about there this. You go. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> and I think about this, like, and it's not like it all happened easy. We still like work on things. And one stuck out to me a lot was so at her house when I moved in with her for me to get to our bedroom there's two flights of stairs I have to climb and go through the living room but at first I didn't have a wheelchair on that floor but it would literally take me we timed it it would take me almost 12 minutes to get from the garage to our bedroom 12 minutes and that's me because I'm pulling myself upstairs yeah and it's a workout for me yeah and so what gym yeah seriously what gym yeah like it was something that I 
had going in the back of my head and like, I can't do this. Like, it is just, it scared me actually. It honestly did because it's just, that's something I have to battle every day are all these stairs. But over time with practice and doing things, like now I can do it in, you know, two and a half minutes. But it's with work and technique and learning this. But also the first time I did it, it was embarrassing to have her watch me struggle getting up these stairs, right? What did you think of that when you saw that? Like, what was your first thought? Like watching him go through that. I didn't really watch him because I figured if the roles were reversed, I wouldn't want someone watching me. So you just because I know it was going to be uncomfortable. Right. I I mean, just as uncomfortable as it was for him, it was uncomfortable for me because why do I? You know, I didn't want to have him go there, so take, knowing so that take it would away be hard. The audience. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of just walked off and let him do his thing and figured if he needed some help, he would tell me. But I'm not going to go and run and try and, like, he can do it. How did you feel? You know, like I said, it was embarrassing and especially humiliating for me, like, just to get up one flight of stairs and it would take me five minutes. And at first, on the floor, we had the kitchen and stuff. She would have to carry my wheelchair from the garage to that floor so I could have a wheelchair to get around. Otherwise, I would drag myself on the floor through the living room and it was just really awkward for me so that kind of stuff was I think big for both of us having the understanding and once again having her accept me to be like this but then she also did everything that we could together to make it easier and more accessible for me so like I think it's just steps like that which made it huge I mean I don't know exactly what your thoughts were like what did you think is when we first started this off like what were the hardest parts or like because you obviously didn't know this much about someone in a wheelchair, but like, what did you think is like, man, well, this is obviously weird. Like, obviously, like, what did you think was different? Probably the catheter part. I, I, well, I think it to took that. me yeah. by surprise, not because I just, I just, I don't know. I just assumed that you could, I guess, and just go pee regularly, but I don't know why I assume that, you know? So there's another point. When I come into this house, I also bring my medical supplies with me, which is catheters. Also, at first, like a shower chair, things that people aren't really thinking besides the fact I can't walk. You know, it's there's everything she also has to learn. It's the stuff behind the closed doors that people don't really think about. Yeah. You're bringing all that into this new house. Yeah, yeah. I could see that would be a little freaky. No, it was. I mean, like I said, we've talked about it, so she knew it was there, but now I have to show her. I'm like, all right, well, I really can't walk. Here it goes. <laughs> like, you know, and then I'm dragging myself or she's having to kind of learn my physical abilities in hand like firsthand i think the fact that she wasn't really like hovering you uh, did that help oh because i mean I, the, the way i'm looking at it that, that would help because it was like she probably just grabbed it and hiked up the stairs and didn't even say anything about it and yeah, you're probably no. just like okay yeah that, that was you know something we talked about and i told her from like the get-go i said you know if if i need your help i'll ask and when you're looking at me you're going to want to help me because some things you think you can do easier but like i'm doing the best i can and for myself it's like let me just do it. And that's how, it, like, now it's, like, second nature. She knows things that she has to do or... But the fact that you guys picked it up that quick, like, that's that's the that's the coolest part of it. Is the, And that's why, like, this conversation right now, like, that's such a big deal because a lot of people, whether you are in a wheelchair or not, people want, they need to almost hear this because it's like, there are so many relationships out there that don't even have the first base covered where it's like, you know, you do the dishes. I have to do the dishes. Why don't you take out the trash? It's like they almost have to beg for these things to happen. And your guys' scenario, it's like, yeah, I'll grab a chair. 
Well, yeah, let me just take out that catheter. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Yeah. Like, it's a completely different deal. So it's like, for most people looking at a love story, it's, it, it really is that. Like, this is unconditional love. You love her because you uproot yourself and you were able to break down the walls that most people are afraid to even start thinking about breaking down to let this person in. And she, like, flat out was just willing to suck up any amount of help and encouragement and be that partner. Like, that's so cool to see. Like, really cool to see. Now we are at that point where you're moved in and you guys have kind of got past, like, some of the conversations, the insecurities. Ring. Engagement. Where does this come from? Let's take it there. Yeah, take us down there, man. Like, how did, how did you do this? And 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 all I know is that the ring was awesome. I mean, we we talked about it though. I I imagine most couples do, but as our time together, we sat there and it's like some of the conversations we'd come through is uh, you know we, I physically asked her you know do we you know want to spend the rest of your life with me and things like that. Obviously behind closed doors and we're talking like that and we were both so committed to each other and. Just the vision that we both had with our future together and things that we wanted to start working on right now. To me personally, I thought, then I want to ask this girl to marry me because I love her and I want to start a future with her. But, you know, I don't want to like point anybody else out, but like most people build a life together with somebody, but they can do it as boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, we could have done the same thing that we're doing now, but I just said, you know, why beat around the bush? I want to marry her and then make it legit for us, but also to show my commitment to her as well. Yeah, I think I think nowadays it's kind of difficult to really, I, I, I think you look at the whole marital side of thing, monogamy, and it's like it's hard to really put, you know, some weight, some like substance behind that because of the way it's kind of been diluted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for those who really believe in unconditional love, monogamy is a big deal. Yeah. I don't care who you are. When, you, when, you, when you're at that point where you're making that decision, I mean, at least for me, you know, it took, it took me seven years to finally say, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go. And it took me three and a half years of dating Steph to figure that out. Knowing you guys where you're at, I know where you sat because if she's willing to accept you for your faults. And I know where you're at if he's willing to accept you for your faults. And you guys made that decision, that's a big deal. And mm-hmm. I think that I see exactly where you're going. It's not just legit. It's, it's looking at saying, this is principle at yeah. that point. That's really cool. When did you realize that this guy was going to be it. I don't think it's one specific moment. It's all the moments leading up to when he asked me, you know, you, it's all the conversations you have and it all comes back to communication. You have to have those conversations. You have to have the conversation about what type of spouse you're looking for, what type of future you want to have, kids, no kids, what you want to do with your careers, working mom, stay-at-home mom. You know, those are things that are kind of tough to have, mm-hmm. but when you have those conversations, you learn really early on if this is someone you can be with or not. So do you surprise her? As far as asking her? Yeah, I did. You know, we've talked about it. Like, at that point, we've talked about getting married, and I actually told her that, you know, it's going to happen eventually, you know, we're... Bush, Doing the we, setup, you know. Yeah, but actually, I set up a really good proposal, so I thought it was really, I, mean, I did good. I'll give myself some credit on that one. Did she help <laughs> you find the ring, or did you find it? No, I found it. So I did have an idea, because she did say at one time, what is, I don't even know what that cut is. Emerald. Yeah, she said she wanted that, and so when I went to the jewelry store, I said, I need an emerald cut. And we started looking at things, and he's like, well, this is this ring, and this is what we can, we kept doing add-ons, and before I know, I'm like, all right, stop. 
I felt like I was buying a car. You know, there was more things you could add on to it. I didn't know. So you had this whole proposal set up. And did you have an idea when you were going up to eat? No. No idea? No idea. Super surprised. Super surprised. Did you have any idea he had bought a ring? Yeah. So you had the idea he had bought the ring. I knew it was coming. I definitely didn't expect it to be when it was. Yeah, I think it turned out really good the whole way, the way everything worked out. So nice. I was happy with it all. Did you go old-fashioned and ask your dad? Yeah, I did. Well done. Yeah, that's that's a like it's like a, it's kind of like a, you had this conversations with like the the this the soon to be father in law right mm-hmm. and it's always normal and then all of a sudden it's like that whole idea of like asking for the hand and you become like an awkward five year old yeah like you just forget <laughs> what you're gonna say all of a sudden it's like the pats on the back right. and the, so I had to ask her mom or I mean asked her mom and her dad at the same time oh but it was yeah it, double trouble yeah you're right it's weird because I felt really confident in doing it but I did feel like a five year old because it sounds it sounds like childish to me i'm like well um kinda, i'm gonna ask your daughter to marry me and they're like you know welcome to the family and you know they congratulated me we're really happy for us both but you're right it's it is a weird thing to ask <laughs> like it's just because I, I think a lot of like especially for us who are in the younger age group i mean for the the gen x's and the baby boomers and all these people like that was it man like you, you didn't even have the ring until you asked old padre out in the farm if I could have this girl's hand in man- marriage, you know, like that wasn't going to happen. Otherwise, he was going to beat you in his Ford truck. Like that's the way it was. But nowadays, it just seems like people just up and get married and the parents are kind of left out of the equation. So yeah, it's awkward, I think, primarily because of how we view. Again, we go back to the whole viewing of it all. And I think when you take it serious, it becomes awkward because you're not you, – you, it's like you, this is a conversation you haven't had before, nor do you want to have again. And so that's – that's yeah, you, that's – about the best way to describe it. So you ask for the hand of marriage. You're excited, right? Like you're stoked. Yeah. Like this is like coming from the sidelines again. Like yeah. I feel like I'm like a sports analyst when it comes to <laughs> from the sidelines. But no, like I think it was like that weekend. I don't know if her face was going more than until like you guys got married. But that weekend, <laughs> like when she got back after you proposed and everything like that, like it was just you could tell she was on cloud nine. I go and I talked to her dad. So I'd go. She's, it's, he's a great guy. That's all Larry could say. Great guy. You know, like he was stoked. And so wedding is in plan. How does that work out? T- talk us through this whole thing. Because again, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who you guys had like a, I think it was like about a five month engagement, six month engagement. Six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So six month engagement. You know, what were the thoughts going through this? Like how much, Cindy, how much did you take on? And, and Dustin, how much did you take on? Like, was there equal shares and who was putting this whole bad boy together? Or did you just sip? Dawson, did you sit back for just yeah. the ride? or I sat, well, I tried to when I would have an input. If it was wrong or right, it really didn't matter. So I just kind of, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I tried to, yeah, <laughs> I tried to help out as much as I could, but she actually did everything. I mean, it was, you know, she did a really good job and I, as much as I could do, you know, I did, but she planned it all, you know, decided where she wanted it and she put together an amazing wedding. So it was. So tell everyone where you got married. And... We got married at McCune Mansion. That's in Salt Lake, right? Yeah, yeah, right down from the Capitol. Cool. What made you want to get married there? It's beautiful. It's because it's obviously, it's a historical site. It's, you know, it was built in, the, I think they finally finished it like 1902. No one's lived in it since 1920. And I mean, just everything, it was Mr. McCune was part of the railroad. I mean, he had so much imported in from like over in Europe and I just so beautiful and I love that and I have a really like weird obsession with old music like Frank Sinatra I love him Dean Martin 
And I knew I wanted that in a wedding. I wanted to throw it back. I wanted it to be something that everyone, almost like nostalgic, you know, when you're thinking of that, you hear certain songs and a Sunday kind of love well, by Etta James and everything, you know? So it just fit the whole look of what I wanted as well. The love story is nostalgic. Let's yeah. call it what is. The way you guys the way you guys communicated first before you guys jumped in and, and the way that you guys talked and then how everything just kinda of worked itself out. It's very it's it's an old school type relationship. And so I, I, I wouldn't expect anything less than that. That's really mm-hmm. cool. So you're along for the ride and you're excited about all this stuff. Yeah. Like you're stoked. So you're coming up to let's let's call this sixty days before the wedding. That would put us in December. How are the feelings at that point? Anyone freaking out? Anyone? I don't think so. You know, like as far as freaking out, it's really weird. A lot of people ask me if I was nervous. As far as and cold feet, like I don't think I can't feel my feet for one. <laughs> no, just, no, but as far as like backing, I mean, everyone's like, "Are you sure you want to do this kind of thing?" Like, I knew the entire time that I wanted to, to for this to happen. The only thing I was nervous about was that day. Was because it wasn't about me not wanting to be there or anything. It was. Because I'd seen her put so much work into the wedding, and I knew like that day is so important for the girl, and I just wanted it to go flawless for her, and it did. Like it went so perfectly, and that's all I wanted. So it was great on my part. It was perfect. So it turned out the way you wanted to, and everything. Yeah. yeah. Good. You know, and then also for the wedding point, like you know, I always tell people the fact that I stood at the ceremony, just obviously for the kiss, because with the stimulator that I have, it allows me to stand up. And this was the first time in my life that I've had it that I was able to actually use it for something besides a therapeutic reason. You had talked about that on a few of the podcasts that we'd had before that. And we had talked about this just overall in general before the wedding. But I remember you saying that this is the first time I'm actually going to stand up for something that I feel personally important about. Well, right. Because I don't go out with my friends to, you know, we don't hang out. I don't ever stand just because it's it's more, it it's work and it's something that I need to focus on yeah. so but to actually stand at the wedding it was something that after I got paralyzed I never thought it would happen you know and actually you really don't think of things like that you just think of all the things in your life that you've lost and it wasn't even standing and I said that like you know when people get married they don't realize when they're standing at the altar how much that means until you can't do it and that goes beyond just the wedding I mean there's just standing at a at a concert standing with your friends in general I mean just the fact of being in a wheelchair, so this allowed me to do something in my life and for her, for us both at that wedding day that was emotionally for me and for her. I mean, it was just... And you had seen him stand before, but never for an occasion like this, right? Correct. Like you'd never... You've seen it through a bunch of like different speaking engagements and stuff mm-hmm. like that that he was doing, but... And at home, I stand at yeah, home all the time. Like for therapeutic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just for my bone density yeah. and my overall health. But like I was saying, like to stand for that reason, which was really cool, I think... I think from the outside outside of the bubble again. I thought it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen because I knew how bad you wanted to do it for her. And then I thought it was really cool just to see that glimmer. You know, like you just stood for her and I knew, like you both were expecting it to happen. Like you, we, th- this conversation had been up. I, I think we started talking about the wedding October. Mm-hmm. And so it'd been out there and I don't think it really, it really didn't hit home until it actually happened. And I think for everyone in the room that saw that, that that was so cool. I think everyone went home and kind of gave their wife or spouse a little bit tighter hug (laughs) because that was just what that, that's what that embodied was like. That was really cool to see that happen. So for people who 
can't see that right now. I mean, obviously, if you get a chance, you you just got to see the video from KSL. It kind of embodies that, and we're gonna have a video up on this as well. But to to witness something like that from a personal standpoint was really cool to see. So the wedding happens, and obviously you're going through all the discussions with all your family and friends. I mean, it's had the butterflies gone away yet? After the wedding? After the wedding? Yeah, I think after the wedding, after we said I do in a stand, and you sit back down. Like basically for me anyway, when you walk out, it was a, like relief, like oh, that went perfectly. And now the wedding, as far as like, it was exciting to go together in front of our friends and family, you know, because that's that's a good point I think for everyone when you get married. It's like, hey, here's my beautiful wife, and here we come together. Like this is our new life, and we want to be, we you know, we want our friends and family to be a part of it. So it's cool to go out and mingle <laughs> as a new person, I guess. From a side note, honeymoon. I saw she kicked your ass in ski ball. <laughs> That's because I'm in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter. You still lost. I did. But you I'm should a... do better, actually. He's lower. I have yeah, to like got... bend down. Yeah. My, my hands like snag. I have to oh, like, no. my elbow Okay. Up. So where'd you guys go on your honeymoon, by the way? We took a cruise down to the Caribbean. Had a few good stops down there, but it was like perfect for both of us. I mean, especially for me, because obviously I can't walk on the sand. So we wanted to do a spot where it was warm. But being on a cruise was like great because we'd stop go to a beach, hang out, you know, go see some things, and then get back on the cruise ship, which had tons of things. I mean, there was so much to do on that place. And so you get, you get back home, mm -hmm. life as usual? Yeah, besides the, the name change, besides mm -hmm. just my wife and stuff. I mean, but we had a lot going, to get, like, a lot going on together mm -hmm. before, so it was almost like, not relief, but like, it was exciting. Like, you know, now we looked at each other and it's like, all right, babe, you're my wife, let's do it. So you guys are building a life together, and that starts with building a new home. Mm -hmm. yeah. So where are you guys building? Yeah, up in Midway. And we're hopefully hopefully it'll be finished by October. God, you guys are such like peaceful people. It's freaking awesome. Like you're talking about nostalgia, you're talking about like nineteen twenties music and, and you're moving up to Midway, surrounded by trees and nothing but no noise. Like that's just <laughs> awesome. Like it's just so simple. I love it. Yeah. So so you're moving up to Midway. Have you started have they started the blueprints on the place? Have they started yeah. actually yeah. building it? That's well that's all that's done. The blueprints, actually the permits are done. Now he's actually, I think, getting the, you know, basically like the, the bids and the quotes to actually have it lined up and say, all right, you pull the trigger and then you have like the concrete come in, the framers, the interior, however the design, like the system goes, but it's close to pulling the trigger to say, all right, build the house. And then she so went from swipe right to building a home together. And, yeah. is, and that all happened within one year. Yeah. But Crazy. I will tell you, that, that, again, going back to the fact that, yeah, one year, but you had one year worth of communication and barriers and things that you guys discuss that most couples don't go through in a lifetime. You guys discussed and talked about and lived through for a full year. I mean, that's about the most simple way to put it. And when you spend every day with someone, I mean, we talk about it too, just like FaceTiming, because if he lived here, I don't think we would be at the spot that we're at right now. No, because communication is different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, like, they're more accessible. Yeah, and every day, like every FaceTime we had, that was essentially like a date. So you're that good, man, over the phone. Right. <laughs> well, you know, in person, though, like she said, like in person, you definitely have your guard up because there's things that you're also gonna hide, you're embarrassed. But when you're like just talking online on FaceTime, it was so much easier for her to tell. Like I could tell her about how I used a catheter and tell her about like my whole life of like you know. I would tell her like stories from 
the past, telling all these things that like are really insecure and embarrassing for me. Yeah, you got the phone, you're like, wait, what did I just tell her? Oh, yeah. no. oh seriously, like some of them was like that. But then it even happened to us. You know, they told that little story. Our first date, actually, well, it was a first date when she was driving. We'd been on some before, but she, we were driving her car. We went to like a car show. We went down in Provo somewhere. We did some stuff. And then when she dropped me back off at my sister's house, I know that afternoon I had to pee. So I peed into a bag and I put it in the door panel of her car. And when she dropped me off, I forgot to grab it. So I left a bag of pee in her car. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, like when she took off. So I had to call her up. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, but I. So you left a bag yeah, of There's a bag of pee car. in your door panel. So. It's like, at least you were clean. Yeah. <laughs> but the, like, those are, that was something she kind of knew that I did. I mean, I don't leave pee around, but it was. But it was part, it's part of the, life yeah those, like now now we joke we're about so it. comfortable like you know i'll have a bag of pee and like i'll throw it at her like, <laughs> like a water balloon yeah fight with like a yeah. pee bomb <laughs> so advice because you know there's a lot of people that have these life-changing events and we talk about his side a lot we talk about how people can prepare for or how they can move on through life and what they should be doing and you know there's the slogan what are you gonna do next and mm-hmm. you know putting the work in and all that stuff but from the now spouse slash right hand, what's the advice? You know, how do how do you what would you tell people who are at that point where they're questioning whether they want to continue down a relationship of any sort with someone who's gone through a life altering scenario? What would you tell them? It's not about that event. I mean, it's about the person that's within. And if this person believes in you, if this person makes you a better person, then you fight. And you fight like hell. Even if they're trying to push you away because they're self their insecurities. Yeah. You just Well it's not for them to decide. It's both parties. Yeah. You know, like that's what I because he definitely tried to push me away too. No. Oh yeah. I'm hard to get man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just it was because once again my insecurities is I you know, as much as we talked, and I think that's a lot for, like you said, anybody, any kind of relationships, whether you're embarrassed of yourself or you don't think that my situation is like, I don't want to bring her life down is what I would think. I'm like, I don't want her to have to deal with this. And no matter what someone's going through, if the person you love and she loves you back, it's like, she would say too, she's like, don't decide for me. She told me that. She's like, don't decide what I want in my life. Thank you guys for allowing me to at least somewhat kind of try to narrate this a little bit, but it's just, it was... You and I had talked about it a little bit, and I was really excited about having this story on because for me, it is the definition of unconditional love. You have somebody who views life a little bit different than most people would and finds somebody that views him for the internal aspect and not the outside aspect, which far too many of us judge off of appearance and not off of internal. And it's so cool to see how life became building itself into a relationship that two people just grabbed the bull by the horn, so to speak. So uh, thank you for letting me try to. No, it was great. Thank you very much, too. It was cool. Thank you. But uh, with that, we're done with another episode of Shieldcox Happens, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed what you listened to. Tune in for our next episode. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes. Just check out Shieldcox Happens. And uh, with that, signing off. You have just tuned in to another episode of Shieldcox Happens. Find previous episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Amazon today. If you would like to be on our podcast and have a story that you want to get out there, visit us at www.dustinshieldcox.com. 
or private message us on Facebook, and we'd love to have you on the show.